Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet online. It's the fastest, it's the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first market odds and lines. Find reviews, news for every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf, my friend. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information. And live in-game betting props, also some futures. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device. Join today. Make your first sports bet. Use the promo code Believe Fifty to receive your fifty percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V five zero. Believe Fifty. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you, Bet Online, for bringing this podcast to the people. Hey, fellas, this one is for you. Listen up. I know. I I do, I know that confidence in the bedroom is extremely important. And if you can't seem to muster up the right level of confidence because of something that may have gone on, the last thing you want to do is then go talk to a doctor, have that awkward situation, and then have it enhanced to another level of awkwardness by going to a pharmacy, dealing with everyone there, and that level of awkwardness. No, 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 no. You need a solution, and you need it without having to feel further discomfort. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew gives you the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it's at a fraction of the cost. You can take them any time of day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity does arise. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, in my opinion, it's all done online, so no visits to a doctor's office, uh, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. It comes right to your door. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence when it comes time to perform, BlueChew can definitely help. We've got a special deal for all our listeners here on Mikey Likes You. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code M-I-K-E-Y. That's Mikey at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Mikey. Receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And I thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. So here's the thing. Uh, Alex Feinberg is my guest today, and it's a great interview. The guy's super interesting. He's absolutely got his shit together. And you're, you're going to glean a lot of good information from this man. Alex Feinberg won on Twitter and Instagram. I'll put all the links below, and we'll talk about this after the interview. But first, I want to talk to you about something else that's been eating away at me in a good way. Like eating away at me in a romantic, erotic way, not like a piranha. Um... So I will be very forthcoming. This is multifaceted. This is a, there's, there's myriad reasons why I wanted to get into this. And one of them is for shameless self-promotion. But more importantly, I want to hammer home something that I have just been drilling into your guys' eardrums for a long time now. And that, I mean, this horse has been a cadaver for quite some time, and I still just keep fucking hitting and hitting and hitting. And that's because I think it's really important. I think it's, it's been important to me, and I think it would be important to you if you choose to go down this route. There's this young lady that I've been working with on my Patreon uh, top-tier client. Her name is Lindsay. I asked her permission to talk about this, but I also, I'm not going to get into too much detail out of respect for her privacy. Now, she works in law enforcement. Um, and since working with me, she's lost uh, like 12 pounds, and she, she says her clothes fit differently. People are commenting. Her fiance's already commenting and about how great she looks, and, and, and she feels great about that, right? And I, uh, awesome. I, I was happy. I certainly was happy. The last thing I want to do is have people pay me money and help them and not see results. So she's seeing results. Great ones. So I've been working with her about seven weeks. Um, but more importantly, I wanted to talk about this, and that is that she works in law enforcement, and she applied for a, a promotion. There was an opportunity for a promotion, and she said that she went for it and that she has – there's still a long way to go, but she got, like, the call back. There's a, she went on to the second round of maybe interviews and things like that and evaluations, and she's just over the moon. And she said, I absolutely would never have had the confidence to do this if it wasn't for the work that I've been doing with you. It just made me get goosebumps. I was so flattered, and it meant so much to me. 
Now, the reason I'm saying this is not to pat myself on the back and not to just congratulate her again, which I, I certainly want to do. It's more for me to kind of illuminate something that, I, like I said, I've been talking about for ages and I, I want to hammer home to you. And that is physical activity, strenuous physical activity, training and nutrition. And, and if you're working and making the commitment to do these things to better your physique or your performance, it's so much more than your abs or your biceps or your butt, your glutes and stuff. It's, it actually makes you into a stronger person internally. Your spirit is enhanced. And Lindsay is seeing this. It's She didn't have this newfound confidence because I'm so awesome. No, she did it because for the last seven, eight weeks, she's been committing to doing something voluntarily. Very difficult. And she's been showing up. And she develops more account of self-accountability. And she develops more self-respect. And subsequently, of course, there's more confidence. She's doing something voluntarily very difficult. And there's a graduated exposure to more and more difficulty. But you can see yourself behaving with discipline. And starting to believe in yourself. And it means everything. It's been a, a nucleus for me in my transformation in my life. Okay, almost everything I've seen that's been positive in my life. 2020, it'll be, uh, I'm about a month away. God, less than a month, I can't believe it. October 20th, I will be sober 20 years. Now, is that because I pump iron? Of course not. But, but hard training and eating foods that are nourishing and taking care of myself and monitoring how much I eat and all these things, absolutely absolutely contributed a huge amount because I was doing things that in the moment I didn't want to do in the moment you don't want to go do deadlifts or, or run sprints because it's tiring and it sucks in the moment you don't want to eat a measured amount of sirloin and drink bone broth you want to eat fucking Twinkies and pizza. I love pizza. I love ice cream. I, mean, I do. You want that. But the more and more I would start to not eat that and eat other things that I knew were nourishing for me, the more and more I started believing myself, the more and more I thought I could be an accountable person, the more and more I thought, you know what, maybe you do have some discipline. Maybe you do have a backbone. And Lindsay has said in not so many words the exact same thing. So I wanted to share that story. Uh, like I said, for, for myriad reasons. One, I want you guys all to, you know, give her the proverbial pat on the back and say, you go, because she deserves it. And so do pretty much all my other top tier clients. They all fucking make me do backflips because of some of the things that I see them do, some of the things that I see them achieve. Are they Nelson Mandela? No. Am I special? No, because I, I, I have abs at 43? No. but I'm a whole lot better off than I would be. And so are all of them, you know? Something to keep in mind, all right? Uh, and if you're interested, I will put my link into uh, the show notes along with all of Alex Feinberg's stuff because my Patreon is available to you. Maybe you're interested in joining the top tier or any of the other tiers. I try, I'm trying really hard. It's been really difficult lately, and I have to apologize to everyone, not only my top-tier clients, but just people who follow me on Instagram even, people who are listeners or viewers of this show. I have not been able to be as consistent with creating content because I, my life feels like it's falling apart around me because I have these animals to fucking keep alive, and I'm not derogatory in a, in a derogatory way talking about my children. I mean literal animals. And I love them. But being a farmer is hard and I'm slowly moment to moment making it easier on myself by doing certain things. But my wife is working. By the way, Winchester's premiering on CW very soon. Fans of Supernatural, you're going to love it. The prequel to Supernatural, Winchester's, starring my wife. She's in New Orleans working. So I'm here and I want to be a great dad and I want to be as involved as I possibly can be in my daughter's life. And I want to be better at jujitsu really badly. And I want to be buff. 
and everything I do has to take a step back because I have coyotes and wolves and fucking not wolves, probably not wolves. No, but coyotes and lots of coons and lots of coyotes and lots of fucking foxes and every and they want to eat my chickens and my guinea fowl like a motherfucker. And and predatory birds trying to gank my dogs and just nonsense. Just there's not constantly nonsense. And snakes up the yin yang trying to eat eggs and little birdies. Fucking snakes. So I apologize, but it's I'm getting my shit together. I'm doing the best I can. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, a man you can find at Alex Feinberg One, the number one, not O N E. Alex Feinberg One. Again, all the relevant links will be in the show notes below. Here's my interview with him. Very interesting. Very informative. All right. Uh, very happy to welcome to the show. I always like to have guests on the show that aren't necessarily that aren't necessarily just going to be informative. I like to have people on the show that I can personally verify are giving out information that's going to be incredibly useful to everybody, whether you're a high-performing athlete, uh, as this man was. He's a professional baseball player, but also to the everyday mom and dad or to the young kid who wants to make a difference in their life. Um, Alex Feinberg is a very, very credible, very, very useful guy to have in your life, not only when it comes to fitness and nutrition information, but also just for habit forming and for making better decisions. As a man who's worked at very high levels in the corporate arena and, like I said, was a professional athlete. And uh, the art of uh, the uh, how what, what is that uh, ebook you have about not giving a fuck? What's the uh, official? I have the uh, the uh, Alex Feinberg guide to not giving a fuck, uh, and uh, I, I recommend that just as much as I recommend, uh, you know, sustainable six pack and and sustained gluttony. All these books that are more geared towards physical transformation. Uh, this man, Alex Feinberg, has uh, equally as much, if not more, very valuable information on just living a better life outside of the gym. And so, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to jam. You have a you have a pretty unique story in that, you know, most people really can't claim to have done one of the three or four things that you've been able to achieve uh, being a professional athlete, especially in, in what I consider to be the most difficult, certainly not the most physically strenuous, but I think as far as skill, the most difficult sport in the world, and that's baseball. Um, and then also working at the the upper tier of the corporate industry and then now you're the shirtless guy who is looking amazing yeah. all the time giving people information about how to eat properly and 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 lifting and training so uh, just give me a little background on like how that happens how uh, you know I'm, I'm so fascinated by people's unordinary stories sure and, and it may seem like a lot uh you know from the outside looking in but Actually, my, my life and career progression do make a logical sense, a lot of logical sense if you follow me step by step. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, you know, middle class upbringing. My parents uh, saved a bunch of money so we could live in a, a good school district. So I was very lucky that back then, you know, they taught people actual thinking skills. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I grew up believing that logical thinking was uh, of utmost importance, but not only that, uh, I wanted to be a, a professional baseball player and I wanted to be a professional baseball player because I didn't really realize that there were entrepreneurs. I didn't really realize, you know, companies have owners. I just kind of figured, you know, you either become a famous entertainer or athlete or you go work at a company. Like literally there was two career paths as far as I was right. concerned as a team. And so I decided, well, I don't want to just have a regular job. I want to be famous and rich. And so I wasn't that good at baseball, but I was, you know, better than it better at it than other things. And so I decided, well, let me just try to be as good of a baseball player as I could possibly be. I'm gonna work as hard as I can and do whatever it takes to get as high as I can get. And so, you know, hours and hours of, uh, of training in the gym and the, on the track, uh, batting cage, taking ground balls, um, you know, really shaped my personality, but also gave me a couple scholarship offers to Vanderbilt and Stanford. Um, I chose to go to Vanderbilt because the offer was better. And I really liked the vibe when I was uh, going there on my recruiting trip. So I moved out from the San Francisco Bay area to live in Nashville in the fall of 2004. Um, and what my baseball experiences actually ended up being very, very different than what I expected. I thought baseball was going to be about baseball. And it turns out that, uh, you know, I wasn't that talented, uh, compared to my teammates, you know, they were able to do a lot of the things on the baseball field more easily, more fluidly than I was. 
And so in order for me to get recognition uh, from scouts, from coaches, I had to learn how most people thought because most people thought very illogically as far as I was trained to think. They thought very differently than me. And I really do you mind in, in what sense? What, what, what did you notice in large part was the difference between how you were thinking and how they were thinking? Well, if you've seen Moneyball or yeah. familiar with uh, you know that story, a lot of people in baseball are heuristic based thinkers. So despite the fact that, say, uh, I hit over 300 every year as a starter, my four years at Vanderbilt, uh, a lot of people didn't think that I was that talented of a baseball player. Uh, because the fluidity of my swing wasn't at the level of sure. you know, someone who would catch the eye of a scout. I didn't look as good in my uniform, um, even though I could run fast down the first baseline, my running form wasn't great. And so people would think that my teammates who would actually run timed, uh, you know, timed runs down to first base at a slower pace than me, they think they were faster because their form was more fluid. And you, so and you see that you see that honestly, in so many arenas. I mean, my wife, I've been lucky enough, I married an actress. And um, it's really, success in Hollywood is very, has very little to do necessarily with pure talent. It's kind of people who have the optics to, to be eye catching. And I see it so much in combat sports where the some of the pound for pound best fighters in the world are nowhere near the most famous or high paid. Right. Fighters, you know? And so, you know, when I was 19, 20 years old, I started noticing these things. And the, the first reaction is, well, you know, eventually things will even themselves out and eventually uh, the cream will rise to the top. And then I kept seeing the same pattern over and over and over again where the cream wasn't rising to the top. Well, guess what, Alex? You either need to redefine what cream is or you're never going to rise to the top. And so I realized uh, both from my experience in baseball, but then also seeing you know, my head coach was an excellent speaker. And so being an excellent speaker, uh, he could get benefits from the university that coaches who weren't excellent speakers wouldn't be able to get. Um, and, and, you know, going to class, going to my finance classes in college, I noticed when we would have external speakers come in, you know, if they look good in a suit, they spoke well, they had all the optics going, everything they said just seemed far more credible. And so I realized that, you know, no matter if I pursue a career in baseball or otherwise, it's uh, my responsibility to look good in a suit and speak well, because I can't control all the variables that need to be controlled in order to be successful in a corporate job. But at the very least, I can show up every day to the gym, train regularly, uh, look good and speak well. And so uh, as my professional baseball career was coming to an end, I ended up connecting with a former Vanderbilt, or a former Vanderbilt booster, Vanderbilt alum, who was running a hedge fund based in Hong Kong. And he and I got to speaking over several hours of Skype conversations. He really liked the insight that I had on human psychology. And so he thought that I could help pick stocks for him in his hedge fund. He was also a conspiracy theorist. So he believed that the Federal Reserve was uh, you know, created by private banks in order to maximize the wealth that they could uh, you know, gain and, uh, and minimize the risks that they would have in their business and the people paying the bill for that were essentially the general public in the U.S. And despite the fact that that was very, I would say, uh, challenging to my psyche, as a lot of conspiracies are, you know, I knew that this guy was worth $100 million and I wasn't. And I wanted to learn how he thought. At the very least, I would be open-minded to whatever conspiracies he was bringing to me. Well, you know, so it turns out you can actually go read the Federal Reserve Act. It's only like 29 pages long. You can read it over lunch if you wanted to. And unlike, you know, the Affordable Care Act, which is like thousands of pages, you actually can tell reading the Federal Reserve Act exactly what's happening during lunch. And I read it and I thought, wow, it, it, it says exactly what he say, says it says. So I, I probably believe this. And I really internalized it and I started to think, okay, so if if interest rates are controlled by a small banking cartel, what is the, what, what are the second order effects of this? And I realized that the tech sector was going to do incredibly well in a subsidized interest rate environment. It would mean that pension funds would not be able to get the standard five, six, seven percent yield on bond portfolios, and they would have to take more risk, put more money in venture capital firms who would then cycle it back into startups and give them insane valuations that they didn't really deserve. And I realized that life's hard enough if you you know work hard without the wind at your back. So you may as well try to position yourself in whatever you do with the wind at your back. And so I ended up moving back home to the San Francisco Bay Area and elevator pitched my way into Google um, based on the hypotheses that I developed in college. All I need to do is look good, 
in a suit, speak well, be articulate, communi articulate, communicate my value, and somebody's going to hire me. And that actually happened at Google. I convinced a Vanderbilt alum to invite me on campus for breakfast. He introduced me to a couple hiring managers. And over 20 to 30 seconds, I made more progress than I did the eight weeks prior uh, attempting to apply for jobs through the online portal. And so I ended up working at Google starting in 2011. I uh, stayed there for six years, trained regularly, trained every morning uh, before work. Um, we, you know, and, and if you saw my before pictures, you kind of noticed that, well, you know, I had muscle, but it didn't necessarily look that I lift, look like I lifted weights. Right. You were clearly, you were clearly, you were never a slob, but you, I mean, right now you're one of those guys that like you show up at the hotel pool. Everyone's like, oh damn, you know, all the guys are like putting their head down and all the girls are like, oh, okay. Right. And, um, yeah, it, it is, I'll let you continue, but it is rather interesting. And one of the reasons why I started to follow you and, and closely align myself with a lot of the techniques and ideas you were talking about is that you really discovered that it's not about training more. It's, that's, right. it's about doing things smarter. Right. And so, this all changed when I uh, took my second job at Google, which was uh, a strategy role. And um, there's this guy named Woods who did triathlons. Um, and he sat next to me in the office and we would talk about, you know, what he was doing for his training. And, you know, we were also doing a bench press competition at work, which I won. Right. And so I did 225 pounds, 15 times. I think the next best was like six. Well, six, six repetitions of 225 isn't bad. Woods, who could run multiple miles on repeat and at a low six minute pace, could also rep out 225 six times. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm not actually that much stronger than him, but he has way better endurance than I do. Yeah. So let me see what would happen if I just run my miles faster. So at the time I was running like five, six miles at like a seven to eight minute pace um, every morning before work, before I- that's still, that's still cooking compared to earth. You know, I mean, that's- oh, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's It wasn't slow, but it wasn't, as fast as I could. Yeah. And so I said, okay, well, who should I run faster? And based on the calories in, calories out model that um, everybody had been going off of, you know, this wasn't supposed to result in any fat loss. In fact, it probably would have resulted in fat gain. I wasn't expecting any body changes to come with me running faster because my friend's mom, who's a pediatrician, told me when I was like 13 years old that you burn the same amount of calories running a mile, no matter if you run the mile fast or slow. You actually burn more calories running slow just because you burn calories standing. And so if all you did was run a six minute mile and stand for one minute, you're going to burn more calories than if you just run a six minute mile. Um, and so I didn't think that there was going to be any more calorie burn doing what I was doing. In fact, I realized that, that the calorie burn was not going to be in the quote unquote fat burning zone, which is like 55% heart rate. Right. Um, it, it was going to be, you know, in the, in the higher range. So I was not expecting whatsoever to have any body changes. But like within three weeks, I lost like 2% body fat and like, like visibly I could tell the changes were happening so rapidly that I could literally tell after two weeks, something's changing. And so rather than think, oh, this is a fluke, like interesting. I'm like, no, I'm going to double down on this. Let me see how fast I can get my four mile time down to. Uh, the record that I set for myself was I couldn't hit six minutes. I got six minutes and three seconds as my average pace for four miles. Ooh. But I continued to get faster and faster. My body fat continued to drop. And, you know, I kept making adjustments based on what was working, just like any good entrepreneur or inventor would do. And I said, okay, well, what happens if I just crank up the intensity at the expense of the duration of my workouts? What happens if I don't even run four miles? What happens if I run three miles, but faster? Well, guess what? My body fat kept going down. What happens if I run two miles, but, you know, same pace? Well, body fat kind of stayed the same because I wasn't going faster. What happens if I run intervals instead of two miles? Body fat kept going down. What happens if I lift heavy in the five to six rep range instead of the 10 rep range? Body fat kept going down. And so like three, four years into this, you know, I'm looking at myself in the mirror after I'm training and I'm like, is somebody putting steroids in my water? This, like, I never thought I could look like this and it's way easier than what I thought it would be. I'm not training any harder. In fact, I'm, my, tra my training's easier than when I was carrying a few percent more body fat. I'm not tracking calories the way they say they have that you have to in order to lose fat. I'm not eating salads. I'm eating large portions of delicious protein dominant real food every meal of every day. And, you know, from my days in baseball, I realized that you need to trust your body. Uh, otherwise, nothing's going to work. So I just had this arrogant belief that if my body tells me I'm hungry, I need to eat. If my body's craving carbs, I'll eat some carbs. If my body's craving protein, I'm eating protein. I'm just going to listen to what my body's telling me and I'm going to eat that. 
while slowly trying to moderate my sugar consumption um, in a way that you know isn't really noticeable. So I'm going to say, well, you know, what happens if I mix two almonds with one M&M? What happens if I mix three almonds with one M&M? Can I really taste the difference if I do it slowly? Oh no, it turns out I can't. So you know, that's how I kind of started eating less sugar. Um, shifting my food consumption to protein dominant real food. And I started saying, okay, well, how few carbs can I eat without being unhappy? And, you know, that turned out to lead to the diet that I have, which is not, you know, keto. It's probably halfway keto. So it's, there are carbs. I'm probably eating a couple hundred grams of carbs a day, but I'm not eating like 400 grams of carbs a day, like the average American. And I'm eating a lot of meat, close to two pounds a day. And all of a sudden, you know, when I'm 30 years old, I take a hydrostatic test. I'm 4.34% body fat, which I never was. That's that, by the way, that's shredded. I, yeah. for the, I mean, for, for that, if numbers seem abstract to you, cause you're not like a fitness geek, like Alex and I are, that's shredded. I'm, I'm like 9% and I, you know, I'm a lot leaner than most people on, on the earth at the four point. That's like, like a, a Olympic sprinter or like a professional bodybuilder. I mean, that's yeah. Now I carry more fat around my midsection than the average person, so I probably looked closer to a seven or an eight. But the hydrostatic mm-hmm. test would very consistently come sure. in the five percent range, and the lowest it got was four point three four percent before I stopped testing um, because I stopped going down to the Mountain View campus, and so you know, the options for testing were more limited, staying in San Francisco. Um, and so I thought to myself in twenty seventeen, you know, I've been working this corporate job for five years. Um, if there's one way that I can impact the world, it's not going to be through my work in tech. It's actually going to be sharing with people how easy fitness can be, how you don't have to count calories in order to lose fat. I don't do it, right? I can do it. I'm capable of telling you how many calories approximately I've eaten in the last day. I can name all the things that are going into my body, but I'm not eating according to a calorie count. I'm eating according to my intuition which makes it entirely more sustainable because I'm never going hungry. I'm literally eating delicious food every meal of every day. And, and so I thought to myself, you know, I need to get this message out because there's so many Americans who struggle with their weight. Um, they think they need to try, uh, you know, some sort of strategy that's completely unsustainable. If they just knew that there was an easier way, that's probably the best way I can impact the world. So I started sharing this content uh, on Twitter in 2018. Reason being, reason for Twitter was that um, I took a job in crypto in 2018, and crypto relies on Twitter as a, a very uh, you know, prominent social media platform. Sure. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to maintain my value as an employee if I can't get 10,000 Twitter followers. So I need to figure out how to get 10,000 Twitter followers. And posting about crypto doesn't seem to be doing anything. So I'm going to start posting about my fitness. So all I was doing was documenting what I was, you know, how I was eating, how I was training. Didn't really catch that much attention. And so at the end of 2018, I decided to get serious about it. I bought Ed Lattimore's ebook on growing on Twitter, started to implement those strategies, created a new account February 2019, and uh, you know, just approached growing social media the way I approach a training plan, knowing that in the beginning it's going to be hard. Um, I'm going to incur more, uh, you know, more work than I am going to get reward for it, but I just need to keep putting my head down and progressively overload it. If I get six followers today, I'm gonna to try to get seven followers tomorrow. If I get seven followers tomorrow, I'm gonna to try to get eight followers the next day. Um, and you know, just setting proximal goals that are attainable, you know, allow me to get to a thousand followers in the first six months, which is about what it usually takes to get to a thousand followers. Sure. And just ask myself, you know, are you serious about this? Because if you are, you're gonna to go to these events and meetups. I ended up going, going to a meetup in Napa in August, 2019, at Lattimore in person, as well as Alexander Cortez, Bobby Dino, um, and, you know, got along really well with Alexander, found out we had a lot in common from a fitness approach standpoint. He starts retweeting my content and all of a sudden from August, 2019 to November, 2019, you know, I go from 1,000 to say 6,000 followers on Twitter. I'm getting DMs from pro athletes, from people around the world. Hey, where can I learn more? How can I learn more about what you're doing? I've had experiences where I do better and I even get lean reading more. But like, there's no, no data, no science that's explaining why I can be leaner eating more. And so I put out my first ebook, 10 easy wins for easier fat loss. You know, everybody's seeing me post these shredded pictures where, you know, along with, you know, huge plates of ribs, you know, awesome steaks, pizzas, tacos. And they're like, how's this guy doing it? So over a couple of weekends, I just put uh, fingers to a keyboard and said, this is exactly how I eat. Um, I put that ebook out, not really expecting it to do that well, because I understand from being in sales, like it's not that easy to sell things. Um, 
Well, and let me let me get you there. It, it's as someone who's kind of in the same world where I never intended to make a living with anything related to fitness. It's just something I've always loved. And it and it and it certainly once I got into recovery and got sober, it became a vital part of, of who I was. Now that I'm kind of involved in that, it's 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 almost impossible to sell things in the fitness nutrition industry without a meaningless kind of catch, you know, without a a hook to keto or something. You know what I'm saying? Like what you're selling, intuitive kind of very fundamental, solid information doesn't necessarily have the same grab as SEO. Like people don't, they don't know how to categorize it. People ask me, what diet do you do? And I say, my diet. Alex Feinberg's diet. Yeah. Not, there are elements of other, there's elements of paleo in it. There's elements of keto in it. Uh, there's not really elements of intermittent fasting in there, but uh, there is no name for it. The name for it is Alex Feinberg intuitive eating. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I didn't have any high expectations for how, how the product would do. I thought I would maybe sell several hundred dollars over its lifespan. I thought, you know, that's okay. It's going to get good information in the hands of people who want it. Well, it ended up selling $900 its first day. And I thought, oh, interesting. That's, I did not expect that. Maybe I can make $15,000 selling this product. That would be cool. Buy a nice watch with it or something like that. Um, never really expected to be able to leave my job. Uh, I kind of thought when I was creating my account in 2019, oh, you know, if I can figure out how to make $10,000 a month in online money, that would be amazing. I could right. live in my work, work um, for myself, you know, do all that. Well, you know, it turned out I kept putting out products that were just related to how I was living life. I put out a recipe book a couple of months after, did just as well. Um, it's since done better than my diet book. Put out training guides, put out a masterclass. Um, and, you know, by July 2020, when uh, the world was kind of shut down for COVID, I was not going to shut my life down. I kept traveling around the U.S., seeing friends, doing things that I was going to do. I just wanted to be intelligent about it. And uh, by, August, or by July 2020, you know, I made $8,000 selling products that had been like around for several months. So it wasn't like I sold a bunch on launch month and then they crashed. It was like, no, these products have been around for six months. Sold $8,000 from it. Okay. That's a good amount. That's not something to be, uh, to be taken lightly. Let me see if I can do it again in August. I did another 8,000 in August, 2020. I'm like, okay, well, let's see if we can do it again. You know, let's see if we can get 25,000 in Q, Q3. I did 10,000 in September, so I did like $26,000 in Q3, 2020. I thought, okay, that's a good quarter. Let's see if I can do it again. Did another 25,000 or more in Q4, 2020. And so at that point, you know, the crypto markets were taking off. All of my income was online. Uh, I wanted to work for myself. I had some savings. And I thought, okay, 2021 is the year that I'm going to start working for myself and I'm going to try to scale this. And so I moved to Austin in early 2021. And um, by May of 2021, started doing it full time. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, selling fitness products without a hook isn't the easiest thing. And so I realized, like, the more random things I observe and talk about, the more followers I get. So I don't actually need to talk about fitness to get more people interested in fitness. I have actually worked, you know, corporate jobs for like eight to ten years. Uh, you know, hedge funds, management consulting firms do pay me up to twelve hundred dollars an hour to get my uh, point of view on Google crypto markets. Um, and so like, I'm not a dumb person. Like I can, I can talk about a, a wide variety of subjects. So I'm just going to do that on my Twitter and see what happens. And as it turns out, you know, a lot of the shortcuts that I have, uh, developed from baseball and applied to not just training, but life, uh, have a lot of residual value for other people. And so turns out the way I approach my corporate career is really valuable for many people. You know, I was able to continually get raises, um, make, you know, six figures every year I was in tech, except my first year and close to six figures, but not quite that. And, uh, you know, figured out how to not do, uh, you know, uh, a terrible amount of work that was going to be debilitating to my body while simultaneously, um, you know, holding time aside for training, because I realized that Hey, if my company lets me go, but I'm still in good shape, I can interview for another job and get one. Or if my company lets me go and I look like a slob, the likelihood of me getting another high paying offer is much, much lower. So I never wanted to, to reduce my negotiating power in the labor market by depreciating my body. And, you know, I take that mindset to the career coaching that I started offering because my audience wanted it. And so now, you know, having been, been doing this full time for 16, 17 months, um, about 50% of my revenues from product sales, 50% from coaching sales, 
and all in maybe 10 or 10 or 20% of that's from coaching people on how to make more money and work less doing it. Um, right. and that brings us to where we are today. Hey, do you smoke? Uh, do you used to be a smoker and you still struggle with cravings? I know what it's like. I smoked for a long time. It's been a while since I smoked cigarettes, but when I quit, it sucked. And of course I replaced it with other things that were bad back then. I, I just kept chewing tobacco, which is horrible for you. And I know a lot of people are doing the same thing, if not vaping, which can be just as bad. You know, we just don't know. So why not have a perfect tool for you to quit smoking? And that perfect tool, it's fume. You got to hear about fume. It is fantastic. Fume is a natural inhaler designed for a better, safer, and natural way to quit cigarettes. No smoke, no vape, no nicotine replacement for the hand-to-mouth habit of smoking. See, Fume handcrafts wooden inhalers and uses these cores infused with plant oils studied to curb cravings. And the flavors are awesome. Peppermint and conquer with like minty notes. And then there's this like warm fall kind of Thanksgiving-y thing, you know, with the cozy chai and lemonberry bliss. You get a, you get a sweeter experience. All their flavors, 100% natural, no harmful chemicals, no artificial flavors, and absolutely no nicotine. Quitting's tough, but fume can really, really help. Okay, whether you're a smoker or an ex-smoker who still struggles with cravings, fume is the perfect tool for you. Head to breathefume.com slash Mikey. Use promo code Mikey to save 10% off your entire order. That's 10% off your entire order when you head to breathefume.com. That's B-R-E-A. T-H-E-F-U-M dot com slash Mikey. Use that promo code Mikey. Quit naturally with fume and use that promo code Mikey. Save 10% off your entire order. It's magic spoon. It's magic spoon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a spoon that's magic, but it's actually not a spoon. It's something that you use a spoon for. I'm talking about cereal, baby. Everybody loves cereal. And imagine if you could have a cereal that tastes as good if not better than your favorite childhood cereal, but it only had 140 calories per serving with 13 or 14 grams of protein and four net grams of carbs, <laughs> that is what makes Magic Spoon so magic. Every single flavor is delicious. We just uh, brought back two big favorites. I'm talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. Oh my gosh, my daughter loves both of those. Frankly, I love both of those. Every single flavor is delicious. Again, 13, 14 grams of protein, four net grams of carbs in each serving, and 140 calories. you got to be kidding me. You have to have something as an ace up your sleeve when your cravings and your sweet tooth come rearing their ugly head. Have some Magic Spoon on hand, and you can take care of that sweet tooth without having to ruin your diet because I know everybody's trying really hard to look and feel their best. Do yourself a favor. Go to magicspoon.com slash Mikey. Grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your order. Get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the promo code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this podcast. I, it's very impressive, man, and I, I, I really admire it because um, I'm probably more similar to a lot of your teammates in baseball in that I'm a radio guy. That's what I do. I communi- I'm a communicator. I talk. And I like having conversations. And I've had a lot of people, especially people who have long, lengthy careers, tell, pat me on the back and tell me I'm good at it. So I have that natural gift. I do not have the ability to kind of analyze things the way you do and just grind and put my head down and, and promote myself and, and analyze things and use metrics and analytics to then build myself. I, I'm completely incapable. I'm, I'm that guy who's like, well, let my manager deal with it. So I, I, I find it so, um, it, it, I'm envious and I, and I really do admire your ability to maximize what you have to offer, which I do at, at the same time find it to be incredibly useful, incredible. Yeah, well, you know, people are surprised. You know, a lot of times when, especially if I have like a viral tweet go out, uh, people see my profile picture with like shredded abs and they just assume I'm some dumb gym bro. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, no, actually, like Mikey's hired than the average doctor, bro. Um, 
and it's actually all downstream from how my brain works. So the only reason why I look like I do with my shirt off is because my brain works well. Is because I'm really, really good at understanding efficient paths to achieve things that other people find difficult. I'm really good at understanding what motivates me and other people. So I'm really good at taking a complex problem and breaking it down into uh, doable steps that I'm motivated to do or other people I coach are motivated to do every step of the way. And we make the thing that almost everybody finds to be nearly impossible, um, not only manageable, but enjoyable, right? So, you know, I run a group training uh, class and, uh, you know, people are all sharing their dinners. Like, oh, I'm eating these pizzas, I'm eating these burgers, I'm eating these tacos. And we're all congratulating each other. And we're also congratulating each other on the days that we take off from the gym. Because that's one thing that fitness gets wrong. When you believe fitness is about calories in, calories out, then every time you skip a meal is a good thing. And every time you go to the gym is a good thing. But the reality is we know that that's not true. Right. Uh, you need to eat in order to have powerful workouts. And you also need to rest in order to have powerful workouts. So if you're not eating enough and you're not resting enough, and you're just following this calories in, calories out mindset forever, you're going to drive your metabolism into the ground. You're going to find fat loss to be excruciatingly painful, and then you're probably going to quit. And so all of this is downstream from my analytical ability. Like I was born with good analytical ability. I, I was, my parents told me I taught myself multiplication when I was like six years old. And so numbers and analytical thinking are probably the predominant reason why the things that have been easy for me have been easy for me. Uh, it also, you know, resulted in challenges to be a competitive athlete because oftentimes as a competitive athlete, you don't want to be that analytical so you can perform better in the moment. But everything that I that I've done and do is downstream from how my mind works. It touch on for me. I'm I'm, I'm always interested in how someone who's clearly, you know, a, a high functioning guy who works at high levels in corporate industry and who is a professional athlete and can transition and do what you've done now in the fitness industry as an entrepreneur too. Give me some ideas on how you manage the stress to be able to continue doing it. Because that's the bane, I'm, I'm very committed to my nutrition, I'm very committed to my training, I, I'm very committed into developing myself as a human. But when my daughter's driving me up the wall and I, you know, I'm a farmer now and, and coyotes are eating my chickens and I, I find out something happened professionally that bothers me, that's when I see like the cortisol goes up, I, I want to eat everything in the pantry and I can't train, I can't focus. What, do you have any tips or ideas on how I can make that more sustainable? Because I, I feel like, especially in today's, kind of landscape of professional landscape for the older people who are parents and things like that. That's a big problem, you know, where yeah. you're allowing the stuff the outside stuff to affect what you really want to do. Well, my background and it came from sports. And so before answering that question, I'd ask, you know, did you play sports? What was the highest level you played sports at? I was a really, I would say a very high, I was never like grade a blue chip guy, but I was a high level high school athlete with college in front of me, people talking to me about it, but I was such a bad student that it wasn't even a realistic. What sport? Uh, baseball, football, soccer. Okay. And I, I was, you know, I had small school kind of interest with baseball and, and football, and then I had like real kind of a future ahead of me collegiately with with soccer. But I, like I said, I was I was a, a D C student, so I wasn't that good to compare to my grades. Uh, what position did you play in baseball? I played third base, and I was a pitcher, but I was a mediocre pitcher. I was a I was a good third baseman, and then I I had some power. I had some power too. Perfect. So, when you were a baseball player, when you made an error at third base, did that result in a meltdown? What, what was your mindset after you made an error? Uh, typically, like fuck. I hope that doesn't cost my team more runs, and uh, let's pick myself up. There's a there's another there's another player at bat. I got to pull myself together. So that exact mindset is the mm -hmm. mindset that I take every time something knocks me off course. It's a lot of crazy shit's going on around me. What's the smartest thing that I can do right now, right? And so if you have a lot of um, a lot of challenges going on, you know, your daughter's driving you crazy. You've got uh, animals, you know, chewing stuff up on the farm. You need to drop everything and take care of that, right? 
Yeah. But once that situation has been resolved, then the next question is, what's the smartest thing I can do? Right. And so that's where the analytical thinking comes in to help me where, you know, maybe the smartest thing isn't to go try to go deadlift heavy. Maybe it is try to, go, to try to go deadlift heavy because, you know, one thing that you notice when you have heavy lower body lifts or, or any heavy lift for that matter is it's a lot harder to harbor stress when you're pushing your body to its physical limits. And so right. workouts can be used as stress mitigants. Right. And so when you realize that workouts can be used as stress mitigants, you also realize there's a certain style of training that can be done to uh, lower stress. Then you say, okay, well, maybe my goals today are, are going to be more stress management training. You know, I need to figure out how I can get my cortisol levels down first and foremost so that everything downstream from that doesn't get messed up. Okay. What's the smartest way I can get my cortisol levels down? I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to do long duration cardio, and I'm going to do some heavy lifting for 45 minutes and good chances more my cortisol levels are going to go down. Um, all you can do is the smartest thing possible. Um, and so, you know, if all you do is the smartest thing you can possibly do, um, you end up taking the, the smartest step. And oftentimes, like the reason why I've been able to have success isn't because, you know, every single day I'm, uh, you know, on point and everything's perfect. It's just like, I get 1% better every month. All you need to do is get 1% better every month for like 36 months in a row. And then you're unrecognizable. People think you're on steroids, but the, the reality is no, you're just understanding, you know, what's pulling you away from your goals. You understand what you need to do to accomplish your goals. You rest accordingly. Um, you train when you have the capacity to train, you train lighter when you don't. And, and you, all you do is you push yourself to the limit that your body tells you that it has, which right. is going to be on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, it's really difficult, I think, not, not only for me. I, I've kind of moved past it myself, at least in the gym. But a lot of people I, I, I coach, um, a lot of people I deal with just in my personal life that ask me fitness questions because I'm sure, uh, much like you, everyone always wants to talk my ear off, you know. Mm -hmm. the, I think a lot of people who are genuine, genuinely motivated have a very hard time understanding that they need to train less. You know, I, I talk to so many 35 year old natural guys who are, you know, they're 20% body fat. They're by no means slobs, but they want to look better. And they're training like the rock right. or, or they're training like some pro bodybuilder that they see. And I'm like, dude, that that's the key to you not getting progress is that you're kind of haphazardly going about it with way too much volume. Right. Um, how do you, how do you wrap your head around that? Cause I'm sure a guy like as motivated and as ambitious as you are, there has to be some part of you that's like, I know I'm supposed to take today off, but man, I could probably go in and. Well, I used to do that. Right. I know that I know the exact mindset they have because I used to have it. And, um, and so the, what, what the switch needs to be is first of all, you need to realize that if you don't train heavy one week, the strength gains that you developed over the last six months aren't going to go away the next week. They just, well, that's not how the human body works. Right. And so once you realize that, hey, taking a week off, I'm the same guy. You're, you, and you want to experiment with it, play jingle with it. Can I take a week off? Can I take three days off? Can I take a week off every five weeks? You know, how does that work? Oh, my workouts are actually better. <laughs> that's interesting. I'm stronger. Explain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, okay, well, if you just do the thing that works, and don't question why it's working. Like you're probably going to be better off than not paying attention to what works. Unfortunately, a lot of people who have extreme motivation in fitness and physique building, um, they take some degree of masochism to it. Uh, they they take the uh, the phrase "no pain, no gain" a little bit too seriously, and so they're almost trying to punish themselves with their workouts. And they believe like, oh, the more I punish myself, the better looking I'm going to be. And chances are a lot of times bad habits don't come by accident. Bad habits come because there was positive reinforcement at some point or along the way. And so realistically, you know, if they're 20% body fat now, they were probably 25% body fat at some point. And something clicked and they say, okay, I need to change everything. I don't like the way I look. I'm going to train like David Goggins. I'm going to train like The Rock. I'm going to do this. And you know what? It worked for the first several weeks. They did lose weight for the first several weeks. And so it's like, how do you tell a gambler that, hey, you got lucky on those two hands of blackjack, but you shouldn't just go sit at the table and quit your job and go gamble in Vegas, right? How do people get hooked in, in Vegas is by winning. They don't get hooked by losing. Sure. They, their brain learns to recognize a false pattern and they continue doing the activities that led to that initial dopamine rush 
failing to realize that that was an aberration and it's not going to repeat itself. Right. And so once you realize that uh, the lessons that you learned, you know, the last six months may not be applicable to your situation today and a different approach needs to be taken in order to go from good to great compared to the approach you took from average to good, then you realize, okay, well, I'm just, I'm playing the wrong game here. I need to play the right game if I want the right outcome. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. I mean, I look, I, I see it with a lot of clarity in the world of, of addiction. It's like, I didn't get addicted to drugs and alcohol because my first year of experience with it were terrible. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, you know, cocaine and, and booze are awesome. And I had a lot more fun and people liked me more. That's right. why I, I, I kind of held right. on, even though I was my life was falling apart. Right, right, right. So it's the same thing. Like people, people's psyches around their bodies are completely messed up. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that most people will ignore as, when they become adults, they'll ignore their bodies until they look in the mirror and they say, oh, this is disgusting. Like, I need to make a change. And, and because they're approaching their body with hate, you know, rather than uh, like an artist or a competitor trying to optimize it, uh, they just hit it with a hammer over and over and over again. And obviously you're not going to get the best results hitting yourself with a hammer over and over again, but they're, they're basically trying to punish themselves. And, and because they're trying to punish themselves, the path that they take is unsustainable. Um, they're making choices that make them hate, you know, their time in the gym, hate their meals. Uh, but it did lead to short-term progress, which is why they continue to do it. Um, but then, yeah, they're never going to get below 15% body fat doing that in all likelihood. You could just kind of like, you'll be skinny fat, you won't be obese, but you're not going to get great. Right. Yeah, and I would I would love to talk now in specific about nutrition because aside from lifting heavy weights, and I, I already heard you touch on that, and I I just you know I got goosebumps because I'm so happy because I've been kind of pushing it so so greatly for people that they think there's two things: people who are are just getting into the iron game, they have two misconceptions that I just can't stand, and one is heavy weights is for big giant bulky people. Right. And that pro high protein is for just meatheads and that I just want to be leaner. So I'm going to lift light weights and do lots of cardio and I'm going to eat a very moderate, if any, protein, because that's that's just for like old school bodybuilders, you know, and you are very strong on your idea of protein dominance and also on the idea of lowering that rep range and, and getting that weight up there and progressive yeah. overload. Well, people look at me and, uh, you know, I don't know, let me see, how, how's the lighting here? You know, so I'm like, you look good, dude, but believe me, I'm, I'm getting a little insecure. You like my arm, like these arms, they're like not small, but they're not big, you know? And so people will look at me and, and they'll be like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to look huge. I, I just want to look like you. Right. And like, okay. You got, you realize I can deadlift 525 pounds, right? You realize I, I can do my work. How much do you weigh? 185. Dude, that's. <laughs> that's pretty fucking I mean, like, impressive. Good, but it's not like you know world class. Or it's not. It's not world class for a powerlifter, but for a human and who a human as lean as you, that's right. really fucking good. Right. And so I approach uh, lifting the way you know with the intensity of a bodybuilder. It, it, my workouts aren't as hard as bodybuilders because I think their workouts are structured incorrectly, but. Um, I apply a lot of intensity to how I train. I just don't have the volume of the rock because I'm not on whatever steroids, human growth hormone that he's on. Like if I tried to do what he did, my body would break. And also if you wanted to be your height and, and by next summer be 220, you would probably start training like the rock. I mean, a lot more volume, a little bit more moderate rep ranges, you know, up the rep. It, 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 that's specifically designed for being a monster. And I think people have it so backwards that they think that the higher rep ranges is for more like of a cutting phase, you know? Yeah, and I think that came from, you know, bodybuilders approached it, but it's like, it's just not true. And so what people don't realize is muscle makes it easier to lose fat. Yeah. And it's very easy to explain this to people who have a finance background because you can explain to people passive income versus active income. Right. Yes. Right. Great passive, analogy. Pat, passive fat loss versus active fat loss. Passive fat loss is having lean muscle. The higher lean muscle mass you have, the more your more calories your body's going to burn when you're sitting down and talking on a podcast when you're sleeping. So because of the way I train and because of the way I eat, 
my body has been estimated to burn 2,600 calories bedridden, right? That's not even doing podcasts. That's literally like if I didn't get out of bed. If you throw in the general activities of a day that don't include going to the gym, walking to my car, walking to the fridge, um, talking to people on the phone, then I'm at like an estimated 33, 3,400 calories a day, right? And this is because of how I train. Remember, this calorie number is not inclusive of the calories that I'm burning while I'm training. I actually don't burn that many calories while I'm training. Compared yeah, me to neither. Yeah. Focuses on calorie burn in the gym. I don't focus on calorie burn in the gym. I focus on output in the gym. What that means is I'm burning fewer calories in the gym, but more calories outside the gym. The thing that people get wrong when they're trying to lose fat is they say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do cardio for an hour because I'm going to go burn 600 calories in that hour. And then I'm going to cut my food down because if I burn 600 calories of cardio and I eat 400 calories less, I have a thousand calorie a day deficit times seven days, that's two pounds a week. And what they're not factoring in is 80% of the calories that an active person is going to burn are burned at rest. So most people's plans are structured to optimize for the calories they burn in the gym, Right. 20% of the calories rather than the calories they burn out of the gym, which is 80% of the calories. My approach and the reason why it's so, so sustainable and so effective is because I'm focused on the calories that I'm burning outside the gym and I'm not even tracking calories in order to maximize the calories that I'm burning outside the gym. It just happens to work out that way. And that's why it's been so effective for so many people who I've worked with in training, who have purchased my masterclass. You know, most people, most fat loss experts will say, well, you can lose half a pound to a pound a week safely. I'm not putting people on unsustainable diets where they're eating 600 calories worth of salads. I'm telling people, this is how I eat, this is how I train, and they'll come to me, hey, I lost 22 pounds in one month, simply changing what I'm doing and doing what you're doing. And this feels sustainable. Hey, I lost 30 pounds in one month. I didn't even go to the gym. Um, and, and I think a lot of times when people get so fixated on fat loss, they end up just crashing their metabolisms. Right. And, and also they don't turn what you've done is turn yourself from this Prius into a muscle car. And and that, and I, I constantly try to hammer that home is that, of course, look, if we're just talking about expending a lot of calories, fine, go go run a marathon. You'll burn shit tons. But if you can end up being a 43 year old guy like me or 30, 34 year old, 30, 36 year old guy like you. I, just existing, I stay lean because I don't eat like, you know what I'm saying? Like if you can turn yourself into a lot of people misunderstand that fat loss and, and sustainable kind of leanness is about inefficiency, really. I mean, you become more of like an old muscle car because I burn now becoming a farmer, carrying bales of hay, just living my life outside of the gym. I burn f exhausting amount of calories because I'm lean and have a, a above average level of muscle mass. And especially women, most guys, you don't have a hard time convincing them they need to get, get a little bit more jacked. Most women hate hearing that because they want to look like, you know, fitness model. They think they're just got to sweat their fingers to the bone and then starve themselves. But yeah, and they also see like bulky CrossFit women and like, well, I don't want to look like that. And it's yeah. like, well, good news, you won't. Unless yeah, don't, don't do any trend and you won't. Right. And, and the other thing is what people don't realize is the physique that they want is actually 30% of the way towards the physique they don't want. Right. And so, and so you would still take very similar steps to get the physique that you want. You just would stop what you're doing once you got that physique that you want. Yeah. And so if you're a woman, maybe you don't want the, the physique of somebody who can bang out 15 pull-ups. But good news, you can stop once you can do five. And you can't do zero, right? You can't do one right now. Right. So you need to develop and know you don't need to develop so much that you can do 15, but you should develop so much that you can do five. And then once you're at five, you'll find, oh, actually, I'm a lot leaner with a good tone that I didn't have before. And even for bros who, who want to you know, gain a little bit of muscle, um, I can tell oftentimes when I talk to bros who are like, hey man, I can't get this, you know, I'm, I'm in the gym, you know, four days a week, um, you know, but I, I, you know, my diet's all right, but I, I just can't get this like fat off. And it's like, well, are you doing any conditioning? No, okay. You don't need to, you know, live on the treadmill, but you should condition at a high level for a short period of time. 
Um, what do you do for your lower body workouts? Oh, uh, you know, I'll do some, you know, I'll do squat, I'll do leg press. Sometime. Leg extension, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, no, no. You, you Most of your muscle mass is in your lower body. So right. if you want the meta metabolic benefit of training, you need to train the muscles that are the largest, the hardest. Right. So you need to train your glutes, you need to train your quads, you need to train your hamstrings, you need to train your upper back. All of these muscles will, will make you healthier if trained properly, right? You're going to have more energy, your metabolism is going to get faster, and you're going to naturally be leaner if you focus on the right things in the gym. Unfortunately, when people focus on the wrong things at the gym, eventually that leads to burnout because they continue to try very hard, but the results don't justify the effort. The juice just isn't worth the squeeze, and that's just because they're squeezing the wrong fruit. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way of putting it. I, I One of the things I've um, gleaned from your teachings and from reading your ebooks is the idea of putting the conditioning in front of the weight training. Um, something I've never really toyed with um, because I always, I came from that old school mentality that look, well, why would I want to deplete my glycogen right before I go lift weights? I want to be, you know, and then I, if my glycogen is depleted by lifting weights, then it'll be even better when yeah. I go and do some, some cardio or whatever. But if I now, you know, I, I've explored and, and, and toyed with it myself, and then I've often given that advice to other people. If you analyze your interval training and think of it like weight on the bar and, and, and really hammer it, really focus on those intervals, not only are you going to be a little bit more loose, a little more warmed up, more probably more physically prepared to lift heavy weights, but um, you're, you're putting an emphasis on conditioning, which is something that most people, even strong people, fit people, don't do um so i i do i think that's one of the major points that uh i've learned from you that i i would love to kind of impart to everyone listening to this podcast too right right and you know a lot of the misconceptions about the human body are that it functions like a locomotive engine oh yeah you know do the do the lifting first because uh you don't need to have energy left when you do cardio we're not doing cardio at a high intensity. We're just trying to burn calories. Right. The purpose of cardio from a fat loss standpoint isn't to burn calories. It's to do it at a high intensity. And so if you do it at a high intensity for 10 to 15 minutes, um, provided that you've been in shape and you've been training for several months, you're not going to be too tired to do your lift. In fact, yeah. you're more, you're, you're like capillaries are going to be like widened, right? You're going to be able to uh, you know transport more blood and nutrients and oxygen to the target muscle group that you want to lift later from doing it before. The other thing that people do wrong about cardio is they don't track it like a lift, right? My cardio, if it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And so is my physique. My physique gets better as my cardio gets better. And so I don't look at cardio like, oh, I'm going to go do 15 minutes and just burn some calories. It's like, no, I'm going to perform this sprint. And I, if I'm trying to hit a PR, I'm going to try to hit a PR. Or if I'm not feeling great, I'm going to try to get 5% within my PR, 10% within my PR. But I'm always performing against a benchmark when I'm doing intervals. And what I found is that just has the best metabolic yield. And yeah. and my lifts aren't worse for it. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. And, and I think, look, if I was a competitive power lifter, I would never think to do that. But I'm not. And I want to get the best bang for my buck because I'm a, I'm a real human being that just wants to analyze things and do it in the most efficient yet beneficial fashion and uh i i I think it's a it's a it's a really wise thing to do i i I wonder how do you analyze and and how do you kind of program things for people who are doing exhaustive things outside of just strength and conditioning meaning a guy like me I, i i'm i'm very committed to combat sports on top of my physique but there it's no secret that it takes its toll it's very hard to kind of manage both how do you feel about as far as like upping calories or upping protein and 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 also kind of altering training to fit people who are also into other physical things well the first thing i try to do is try to get them to cut out the other things that they're doing because they do impact your recovery right Right. but people really want to do MMA training so i say well you know instead of doing it three or four days a week can you do it twice a week okay can we work with twice a week because we can work around twice a week um, and so, you know, your recovery is constantly going to be pressed. So you're going to need a lot of sleep. You're going to need a lot of food, and you're also going to need to dial down the volume that you're doing in your lifting. So instead of doing four sets, maybe do three. Instead of doing four sessions a week, maybe do three. Um, and you know, just focus on the target muscle groups. Try to get that stuff done before you do 
the longer duration, lower intensity stuff because it doesn't require that you, you know, can move your muscles at their peak when you're doing this longer duration stuff. So you just got to be smart about it. And you know that your body has a performative limit and, you know, you just can't put so much on your plate that you can't eat it all. You got to be able to manage what's on your plate according to what you can consume. What do you, uh, where can people go to find out more, to buy your eBooks, to just kind of invest in Alex Feinberg? And I, I was, uh, kind of made aware this afternoon, you're going to be launching a podcast. Am I correct? Yeah. So, you know, follow me on Twitter, Alex Feinberg one, F E I N B E R G one, probably in the, you know, and that's the, by the way, that's the number one, not O N E it's Alex yeah. Feinberg. Alex Feinberg one, both on Twitter, on Instagram, more of my interesting stuff is on Twitter. Uh, every day I run a product sale on a different aspect of how I approach fitness. Today, my masterclass is on sale. Um, and, you know, once a week, I'll throw a masterclass sale up there. Um, you can also go to Gumroad and uh, find me through that. Or you could click on any of my links in my profile, which will ultimately take you to my Gumroad and my Gumroad profile. Um, where you can learn about how I eat, how I train, uh, what I cook, my approach for all of it, as well as my mindset and, uh, and corporate navigation guides. Um, my DMs are also open. They're probably going to be open you know, up until I get maybe a hundred thousand followers, at which point they'll be kind of unwieldy and I won't be able to manage it. But right now I'm at 44,000 followers or so, so I can manage open DMs. So if you have any questions, hit me up. Um, usually responsive to it, just give me some time and uh, we can figure out what's right for you. Awesome, man. And I'm excited uh, at the idea of the Alex Feinberg podcast coming. Cause that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's titled Alex's Asylum. Uh, Asylum is like a safe haven, but also for crazy, crazy thoughts because a lot of people think what I say is just so different from how they approach problem solving that, you know, if they're not that smart, they think I'm crazy. But if they see my results, like, no, it's actually like he knows what he's doing. Um, and so I always joke with people, I don't want crazy this and that. But, um, you know, that's on Spotify, uh, on the Apple podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel. Um, and so every once in a while, I'll post YouTube videos. You can find my YouTube channel there, Alex Feinberg on YouTube. Um, and yeah, we're going to have interesting conversations with people every couple of weeks. And uh, just have cool, cool discussions like this about personal improvement, fitness, uh, you know, economy, politics, life, because it's all interrelated. I will make sure to put all the links that Alex just mentioned in the show notes below. Um, I really do appreciate this conversation. It was fantastic, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. This is, this is great. So again, uh, I highly recommend. I haven't read all of them, but I've I've got the uh, sustained gluttony in the cookbook and the Alex Feinberg Guide to Not Giving a Fuck, and the Simple uh, Solutions to Six-Pack thing. And uh, it's all on Gumroad, so you can check out Alex Feinberg there. But as he pointed out, the best place to get him is on Twitter, because all the links are there in his profile or on Instagram, Alex Feinberg 1, the number one. Uh, thank you to Alex Feinberg for doing that. Thank you to Believe, who helped make this show possible. Thank you to Bet Online and Magic Spoon, and Fume, and Blue Chew, and all my amazing sponsors who make this <coughs> and make this show happen. Most importantly, thank you. You, the viewer, you, the listener. Won't you do me a favor? Like, subscribe, help me fight this algorithm. <sighs> it's a losing battle. But hey, we're trying, right? So tell a friend, like, subscribe for sure. Put comments down there. Get this machine thingy that is like, hey, or which podcast is okay? Paul Brothers, okay, in gaming. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, who's this? My Catherwood fellow. I need to make sure that he's getting his fair due, his digital fair due. Like and subscribe. And in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.